Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I'm awfully glad that we're going to have a chance to talk to Allie Worthington coming up in this hour. And then also Rob Bluey is going to be joining me from Washington, D.C. But I want to uh, shout out to the ladies because you're going to want to listen real hard in the next half hour because this is going to be rest for your soul. It's a theme coming up for a conference on the University of Northwestern campus this weekend, uh, March 6th and 7th. And if your soul needs rest, you're going to want to Make plans to come on over. You can learn more about that at setapartconference.com, setapartconference.com. We're going to take a little break and then bring on our special guest, Allie Worthington. This Easter season, get to know Jesus on a deeper level through the Faith Radio Easter Reading Plan. Together, we'll read a chapter of the book of John each day. Starting March 24th, we'll learn exactly why Jesus came to earth, how he conquered the grave, and offered us the gift of eternal life. Sign up to read along with us at MyFaithRadio.com and receive weekly emails featuring special content from our show hosts and giveaway opportunities. That's MyFaithRadio.com. You're listening to Faith Radio, a media ministry of the University of Northwestern St. Paul, with radio signals across the upper Midwest and listeners from across the country and around the world connecting with us online and on the app. Faith Radio is here to help you learn from God's Word and grow in your faith. Find out more about us and request a free welcome packet at our website, myfaithradio.com. And thanks for listening to Faith Radio. All right, guys, don't go anywhere, but ladies, listen up. This is going to be Rest for Your Soul. Great conference coming up this weekend right here on the campus of the University of Northwestern in St. Paul, Minnesota. Keynote speakers are going to be uh, Crystal Evans-Hurst and Allie Worthington. Allie's my guest today. Um, awfully glad to have her on. She's the author of five books, including Breaking Busy and Fierce Faith. She is a business coach and consultant. She's a wife and mother of five sons. So that's busy. Allie, welcome. Hi, it is great to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. So how old are your boys? The youngest is 11, and they go every couple of years until 21. Nice, nice. So we're, yeah. we're everyone's excited about about the conference, the Set Apart Conference coming up this weekend, and we're going to have spectacular weather, so it's just going to be perfect for you. I am thrilled to hear it, and I have to say, as the mother of five sons, it's a lovely rest to come and stay in a hotel as well. Yeah, so... If, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's universal. We could all use a little rest for our soul. But maybe Absolutely. you would talk a little bit why it's so hard to find rest. Well, I think we live in a world that's busy. I mean, no one would say, oh, I'm not busy. I'm just sitting around eating grapes that someone else is peeling for me, right? I mean, there's a certain level of busyness that we're all dealing with. We we have tight schedules. We have a lot of responsibilities. We have the news coming at us every day. But I think... It's really important for us to get together at events like this to remember what's important and kind of prioritize to go back into life so we can live a life that, yes, is full, the life that God's calling us to live, 
but it's not crazy busy. Mm-hmm. So it'll be good for all of us to get together and, and dive in. Yeah. So let's talk about just the idea of breaking busy. I know that's one of your books, and I would love to mm-hmm. uh, let my listeners get some free tips as to how to break this busy cycle. <laughs> well, it's it's kind of what I mentioned before. No one is going to all of a sudden discover a secret where we just have tons of free time. It's just not the way we operate anymore, especially if we're parents or grandparents. There's so many responsibilities on us. But there is an optimum level of all the activities and kind of the fullness in our life that we can have. So our activities aren't breaking us. They're actually kind of building our life and building our happiness. And I find that one of the reasons so many of us tend to be busy is we tend to say yes to things that aren't necessarily our calling to do in the season because we tend to not want to disappoint people. We don't want to say no. So we often end up saying yes to things that aren't for us. I use an example in the book, and my husband and I still laugh about it. Years ago, our kids played Little League football, peewee football, and of course, everything relied on the parents, which was <laughs> fine. He was he was fine to coach. But every year he would go for, to sign up and he would say, they are not going to make me referee this year. Because if you want to have strangers and and people all across the community hate you, you just referee a little league game <laughs> or football. Yeah. And every year he would come back in and go, Oh, I got a ref. And I would go and visit him when he would ref. And you know, you know how parents are at their children's games, especially with three and four year olds are crazy. Yeah. They'd be like, ref, you taking money from the other team and all sorts <laughs> of craziness. And um, my husband would just come over to the fence. I remember, and he'd shake his head and go, I just really just want to go home. But, you know, he that was his Saturday for a long time because he, he didn't want to say no. He didn't want to disappoint people. I mean, we, we all do it in one way or another. Mm-hmm. So kind of learning to give yourself permission to say, the these are the things I'm going to focus on right now. And this is the level of capacity that I have is really important. All right, Allie, here's a question. Do you think that maybe we can possibly accomplish more for God by doing less? Oh, absolutely. Because we can spread ourselves too thin and do an okay job at everything. Or we can have a few things that we know this in this season, because the thing is, every season is different. God will have us do different things in every season. In this season, I'm only going to do this one or two thing really well. I'm going to dive in. I'm going to devote myself to it. You know, maybe it's teaching maybe it's serving, whatever it is, I'm going to make sure that I'm bringing my best to it. Because if we're doing 10 things, we're going to, I mean, just, just the way the world works, we're probably not going to do all 10 of those things to the best of our abilities. Mm-hmm. So what, what would make us afraid to prioritize that one thing? Because nobody wants to miss oh, I- out. I think it is I think it is a combination. It's different because people's personalities are different. It can be the fear of missing out, the fear of missing something fun mm-hmm. or a different opportunity or doing new things, or on the flip side, the fear of disappointing people. But it's normally one of those two things. Mm-hmm. And then how long do you think I mean, you've had that experience, haven't you, where you felt like you disappointed somebody? Don't you get over it kind of quick? Oh, 100%. Well, no, no. I mean, here, well, I mean, I've 100% had that experience. Yeah. Not necessarily. Okay. And I have, I've had experiences through the years where for, for, I think it's different for women than men sometimes, especially when it comes to raising kids. Women tend to be really, really hard on themselves that they aren't doing everything. The same woman that is working a full-time job 
just like her husband, is going to feel guilty that she's not baking four dozen organic brownies overnight for the school bake sale. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it, women tend to be a little bit harder on themselves. So I think having these conversations, just being really honest about what our responsibilities are and what our capacity level is in the season, that's the answer to to people not feeling bad about saying no. And one thing I learned through the years is God made people to fill every role. There are people who love to do that same thing that someone is asking you to do that you don't love to do. And if the same people say yes to everything because they're the men or the women in the community that just take care of everything for everyone, we're actually taking that role away from somebody else who just needs to step up into it. Well, that's such a great uh, point, Allie. I, I'm really glad you said that. Um, I think that's key. Where, where do you go? What are some of your favorite places in Scripture to go when it comes to finding rest for your soul? Because one of, into my mind, so yeah, one of my favorite that uh, has been in my head a lot lately is there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, because I am someone I want to do a lot of things. I want to fill my schedule. I want to do this. I want to do that. And God is always reminding me there's a time for everything and a season for every activity. Those things that I want to do, I will do one day. Um, I have me. I tend to. Um, air on the side of putting too many things in my calendar, which is, of course, why I wrote a book called Breaking Busy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to be really careful to make sure that I'm staying on God's plan for my life and not filling my schedule too much. How about for you? I'd love to hear. Well, um, let's see. Of course, I, I love uh, come to, come to me, all of you who are tired and weary, and I will give you rest. And I, I love. So I just yeah, I love that verse because the more I spend time in that verse more I realize God's going to give me a very personal touch. It's going to be a personal touch of, of, of rest. And it's, it's doesn't come off an assembly line, which I just love because he knows my schedule. He knows how I'm spending my time and where I could, uh, where I could, what I could give up and what I need to lean into more. So good. So good. All right. Let me take a quick break. Allie Worthington is my guest. She's going to be one of the keynote speakers coming up at the Set Apart Conference, which is happening uh, this weekend, uh, Friday and Saturday, uh, March 6th and 7th, coming up on the University of Northwestern right here. And we're going to uh, learn more about that after the break. But uh, it looks like an incredible schedule of workshops and keynotes and fellowship time, music and worship. Ah, there's nothing not to like about this conference. And it's geared for women. If you need rest for the soul, you're going to want to check it out. Setapartconference.com. Be right back. Awesome. Allie Worthington is my guest. She's one of the keynote speakers coming up at the Rest for the Soul conference. Uh, it's going to be what's well, the Set Apart conference. Let me get it right. The theme is Rest for the Soul. If you are a, a lady looking for rest, you're going to want to check this out. This is for women coming up this uh, weekend right here at the University of Northwestern. And uh, Allie, I'm curious because I know you when, when you talk about breaking busy, you're going to have a lot of people gravitate towards you and they're probably going to tell you their story. Uh, what are some of the, the descriptors you hear is overwhelmed. One of them overwhelmed. I'm so tired. 
I hear from a lot of people that busyness is robbing them of sleep. Sleep is a big one that I hear all the time where women and men go, I'm just so busy. I don't have enough time to sleep and I've learned how to sleep or I've learned how to get by on five or six hours of sleep every night. And I, my thought is you may think you've learned how to get by on that, but I bet you're grumpy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There are some women, of course, that can say yes to uh, many things and pull it off. And I think there's other women who will feel so overwhelmed and maybe anxiety and fear and maybe even a little bit of depression that they, they can't take a step forward. So you've got probably uh, across the spectrum so many different uh, people that need rest. Oh, yeah. I mean, I find it for men, men and women both across the board because everybody has their their own personality. Everybody has their own set point and energy level. And, you know, as as through the years as I've gotten to know people more, I see that, that God's made us all so individual with gifts and talents and strengths and personalities and uniqueness that there is no really just for one formula for everybody that God's design for everyone is unique and it's important to follow it. And we can't run ourselves into the ground, even though we may quote unquote, feel like we should be doing more all the time. Mm -hmm. Now, do you give one uh, keynote address or do you give more than one? What is your schedule coming up this weekend? Yeah, I am doing the Friday afternoon keynote and then I'm doing a Saturday luncheon keynote session where it's an interview. Nice. That's going to be really fun. Yeah, interviews are always fun because we get to be loose and back and forth. And then I'm giving the Saturday afternoon keynote. So three sessions in all. I'm very excited. I think the conference is going to be amazing. And Crystal Evans Hurst is going to be on the program as well. And is that the Tony Evans daughter? Yeah, that's her. Mm-hmm. Terrific. Yeah, she'll be she'll be doing the um, Friday morning keynote and doing her keynote luncheon interview on Friday, and then she'll be doing the Saturday morning keynote. Mm-hmm. You know, Allie, maybe you would chat and tell our listeners a little bit of just the way God promises to give us rest, because we're so uh, we're so eager to get a word from God that He will hear uh, hear us in our times of stress and weariness. Yeah, I think it's important to always look to Scripture to go, okay, what do what do I know about God for sure? What do I know about God that is going to be true for me, for you, for everyone? And that is that God is good. He is faithful. He will not abandon us. He will not decide on a whim that we aren't good enough and and leave us alone. He is, He's not going to let us get into any situation where he's going to go, oh, I'm just going to let them flounder. I'm going to let them be overwhelmed. I'm going to let them be um, tired and exhausted. We know because he is good, he can't be anything but good, that he, when we come to him, he will give us peace and rest in a way that doesn't even make sense. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when we're going through the most difficult thing we can imagine, when we go to the Lord in the middle of that storm, he'll give us a peace and a strength to get through. And and it's not because of anything we do. It's not because of a, a behavior or a give and take, anything like that. It is because it is God's nature. He can't not do that. Yeah. Allie, what are some of your uh, spiritual disciplines that places you go, uh, how you get away and what you do to just get some, some quiet time with the Lord and how you can break that busy. 
you know, do you come mm. to do you come to Minnesota and pray for like a snowstorm so you get stuck here for an extra week? <laughs> I have to tell you, just like I mentioned before, just staying in the hotel is a blessing because I that I don't need to do anything at all. It's when people go, "Oh, you're sacrificing to be away from your family tonight." I go, oh, "Thank you, but actually, you're <laughs> blessing me." Um, the boys are fine; they're all having pizza at home with dad. Everyone's everyone's doing great. Um, I work hard to have some time alone with the Lord every morning. I am um, really affected by music. I know some people are, some people aren't. So I turn on worship music and that is very filling to me. If I find myself overwhelmed and exhausted or, you know, sometimes we get in these situations where we're upset or we're stressed and we don't even know what to pray. Right. Oh yeah. Sometimes when I find myself in that situation, even faster than going to scripture, I can turn on, you know, a wonderful, um, scriptural based worship song and turn it on by halfway through the song, I'm ready to pray. And it just kind of breaks up whatever's going on inside of me and it changes the atmosphere and I'm ready to pray. So music is a big part of it for me. Um, it just, it sets the tone of my life and makes sure that no matter what's going on, I make sure that I'm continually giving gratitude to God for everything that he's done, just for the, the fact that I can breathe, the fact that the, the sun is out outside. I mean, uh, our golden retriever to me is a miracle. All of those things. I think sometimes when we shift from going from, you know, running really hard at life and, and staying crazy busy, and we start shifting to continually looking at the Lord, staying connected to the Lord by prayer and scripture and worship music. And then what happens is he starts giving us this ability to have gratitude in the middle of the hard days, in the middle of the crazy days. And it allows our um, peace and um, happiness to increase even when it seems like things are crazy busy. Yeah. I'm on Ellie, uh, Ellie's website, Ellie, A-L-L-I, worthington.com, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at the three books you've written, and one is called Fierce Faith, A Woman's Guide to Fighting Fear, Wrestling Worry, and Overcoming Anxiety. Another one is called The Year of Living Happy, Finding Contentment and Connection in a Crazy World, and then, of course, Breaking Busy. We've chatted about that a little bit, how to find mm-hmm. peace and purpose in a world of crazy this seems to be kind of a running theme through what interests you in, in, in your <laughs> writing. Uh, would you say more about that? Did you have a time that you just sort of had uh, this moment where you said, I've got to tackle this and deal with it, and I'm going to write books about it? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a very practical girl by nature. I think my sweet spot is helping believers really live life well you know, to go, okay, what does it look like to break out of busyness? What does it look like to overcome fear and anxiety and worry? What does it look like to live with more happiness? And happiness is a topic for me when, when I decided to tackle that topic, it's because the Lord gave me that word. And I thought that's such a weird word. We, cause as Christians, you know, you're taught, you want to be more holy, not happy. But as I I was diving into scripture, I realized that the original translations of the words for happiness, um, there was no difference between happiness and joy, that we in our modern culture, we kind of say, well, happiness is secular and worldly, but joy is what we should strive for. But the Lord never made that distinction. And the Lord is constantly reminding us through scripture that the things that bring us happiness are following him. The things that bring us true happiness in the world are living a life for God and being sold out for him. So I like to just bring together just really practical advice and marry that with scripture to help women live well every day of their lives. Mm-hmm. Ellie, how do we overcome 
both the big and the little worries in life? <laughs> well, it's a process. I wish I could say it in just a couple of minutes. A lot of it is challenging our thoughts because so much of our worries every single day is our thought patterns. It's what we think about it. 99% of things that we're worried about that are going to happen in the future never happen. But what happens is we start worrying about things that could happen and we go into anxiety spirals. Yes. So we'll have one small little trigger that sets us off and give our brains five minutes later and the whole world's falling apart. So one of the best strategies that you can do to do that is to start challenging your thoughts, to step back, and go, okay, uh, I'm noticing that these are the thoughts going through my head. And then you challenge them like, like an attorney, you know, yeah. <laughs> cross-examining a, a witness. Is this actually true? Is this, is this something that I'm feeling or is this truth that I know for sure? And this thing that I'm worried about, is it something I'm imagining or is it something that's likely to happen? More often than not, these are things that we're imagining. These are things that aren't really likely to happen. And so then we can kind of come back with just rational challenges. Like, I realize I'm thinking this, but yeah. the Lord says X, Y, and Z, and I'm not going to let this affect me. So it's just changing our habits about our thought patterns. Yeah, and that can stop the anxiety spiral, can it? Mm -hmm, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and how important is it, Allie, just to you know grab a nice cup of coffee and sit down with a friend for some mutual encouragement? Oh, community is the secret to so much. I mean, I... A friend of mine said, what did you learn in 2019? And I said, I think that I learned that God often has shown up in my life lately with a human face, mm. but he <laughs> brings people to me to encourage me and to remind me and sometimes to give me some pushback where I'm, where maybe I'm, I'm doing something wrong. He often shows up with a human face. Community is so important. Community is where we heal. It's where we grow. It's where we challenge. It's That's why it's so important for people to get together. Yeah. Allie, do most of us have worries that hold us back? A hundred percent. Okay. We have worries that hold us back in our careers. We have worries that hold us back about ourselves. Um, we have worries about our kids, where we hold our kids back because we're worried that something bad could happen to our kids. Absolutely, we do. I don't like this worry stuff. I'm starting to, this is starting to bug me. <laughs> People don't like worry so much that generally people won't even say, I'm worried or I'm afraid. What we do is we say, I'm stressed. Yeah. And when that's really, it's a fear. That, that's so true. But mm -hmm. saying we're, we have to be that vulnerable, we're going to have to take more time versus, ah, I'm really stressed out. Exactly. It's yeah. easy. And if you say you're stressed, you don't have to go into it. That's true. But when we admit that we have worry or fear, that's when we can take it to God. That's when we can draw strength from Him. That's when we can start going, okay, now it's time to renew my mind. Now it's time to start noticing my thought patterns and start challenging them. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a great... That's, that's the first step. Yeah, this is going to be a great conference. And where are you coming in from? Nashville, Tennessee. Terrific. Well, I know you've had some weather issues there, so um, I hope... Sure have. I hope everything is well in your part of the world right now, in your home. Yep, absolutely. Great. Thank you for asking. Yeah, we'll look forward to having you in the Twin Cities. Uh, Allie Worthington has been my guest. Setapartconference.com is where you can go learn more about it. It's coming up this weekend, Friday and Saturday. It'll be a great conference. Allie, thanks again for doing the show. Thanks for having me. You bet. We'll take a short break, and we'll be back with Mr. Rob Bluey.
on Faith Radio. Of course, that walk-up music belongs to Rob Bluey, and he usually is my first guest on Tuesday, but not today. Awfully glad to have him with us now. Uh, he's the executive editor of the Daily Signal. Go to dailysignal.com. Rob, welcome. Hey, it's good to be with you, Bill. Thank you so much. Now, I would love for you to explain to me and also to the listeners, I don't even understand if I know the history of Super Tuesday. Yes, well, <laughs> we are. It's Super Tuesday, and uh, Virginia is one of the states, uh, so it is uh, front and center in, in all of our both local news as well as national news. Uh, well, there's so much at stake, I mean, because uh, Super Tuesday, of course, is when you have all of these states who have packed their primaries on the same day, and Fred Lucas uh, has a history of Super Tuesday and, and some of the, uh, the big memories uh, <laughs> that have happened throughout uh, the ages. Uh, so, you know, this year, of course, there are 14 states, uh, plus American Samoa and, and all the people who are Democrats who are voting from overseas um, who, are, who are doing it. So, you know, the first reference uh, is, is, goes back to the, the mid-70s, 1976, according to, to Fred's research. Um, and, you know, it was in that primary year, or that year when uh, there was a primary between Gerald Ford, who was the uh, incumbent president, of course, and California Governor Ronald Reagan, who, who wouldn't get the nomination that year, but would come back four years later. So, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was, you know, in the years that followed, uh, states just decided to really pack into this particular date. And of course, in this country, we love traditions, Bill. And so yeah. we always usually start with <laughs> Iowa, then we go to New Hampshire, then we lately, you know, in recent years, we've had Nevada in there and South Carolina. And through the course of these these primaries and these elections, uh, it's really been a, a moment. I mean, you saw this crystal clear uh, after South Carolina when Joe Biden won decisively and you had three people exit the race. And so is this the way to pick a president? I don't know, but it's the way we've always done it, and Super Tuesday's always been a part of the mix. Yeah, and there, did you say there were 14 states involved in today's uh, Super Tuesday? By my count, that's, that's what I have. So we have Alabama, Arkansas, California, Colorado, Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, yeah, yeah. North Carolina, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Vermont, and Virginia. And how many uh, delegates are at stake today? Oh, good. You know, you're teasing, you're testing my knowledge well, here. So uh, let's see. I think, are, are we up to 500 some odd today? Uh, you know, I, I don't know the precise yeah, answer, Bill. Yeah. Do you have it? <laughs> I, don't, I don't have it. I, I thought it was around 300, but I wasn't certain. Well, I, I know that, you know, in California, uh, which is one of the bigger ones, it's definitely uh, in uh, in the several hundreds. I'm, I'm looking okay. to see if I can find on the Daily Signal right now. Uh, you know, it's uh, what's the what's the magic number? It's just over a thousand that they need to get uh, for for the nomination. Yeah. So, you know, um, yeah, uh, actually, it says. Uh, this is according to um, a New York Times uh, article. It says that there are 1,357 delegates up for grabs. Wow, okay. So there's your answer. Yeah, okay. <laughs> California so- has the biggest with 415, followed by Texas, which has 228. And, uh, you know, all the states kind of go down uh, from there in terms of their population. All right, Rob, what's word on the street in D.C.? Because I find this whole thing interesting how we've got, uh, two candidates dropping out of the race the day before Super Tuesday. 
and, and I've talked about this already once today, but I find it interesting how take a person like Amy Klobuchar, who is a senator here from Minnesota, of course, and, you know, tens and tens of thousands of people have voted probably for her and That's now right. uh, in advance voting and now their votes are gone. Well, this is one of the reasons that I personally don't like uh, that advanced voting, because I think that there's so much that can change agree. the course of the time. I mean, and uh, and you see more and more states moving moving to this model. And it's uh, it, it's it's one of the things that, uh, that that personally I mean, there have been times when I've had to vote absentee and you and I will go ahead of time. Uh, but you in in and usually that happens on a general election where you know the, the things aren't going to change uh, between the time you cast your vote and and when the election takes place with a primary and the and the situation we find ourselves in now you are absolutely right there will be votes particularly in California I think you might see this the most because they apparently do a lot of the early voting. Um, and so, yeah, uh, there will be candidates who are no longer competing, who, who receive votes. And, um, and if they get over that 15 percent threshold in certain states, of course, you know, they, they will be assigned delegates. I guess they'll have to release them. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's certainly a, a factor uh, when it comes to, to voting. And, and one of those things that I think people, you know, when the, particularly in the course of a primary, probably best to, to wait until, until the day of uh, to make that decision in case we find ourselves like we do today. But, but Bill, it's really, it's really interesting uh, to look at some of those states that, that are holding elections today because, uh, you know, for instance, Elizabeth Warren in her home state of Massachusetts, you know, uh, you know where Marco Rubio struggled in Florida four years ago, I mean, certainly that was an indication that uh, he might not be able to, to stay in the race and be competitive. So, you know, there could be more shakeout uh, happening after tonight. Mm-hmm. I asked another guest uh, today, but I'm wondering what your take is on this. Is there a political horse trading that's been going on to get Mayor Pete and Amy out of the race before Super Tuesday? Well, uh, there's always that um, that suspicion, and and look, even press reports were indicating that uh, that uh, Vice President Biden was suggesting that there would be a place in in his administration for Pete Buttigieg, and and perhaps the same type of deal or arrangement was made with Amy Klobuchar. Uh, it, it's hard to say. You know, we're a long way for that to happen, uh, obviously. I mean, first of all, whoever, you have to get a, a nominee, and then that nominee would have to prevail, and then they'd actually have to go through the vetting process and decide if there's a, a position in the administration. Now, obviously, we know that an, an ambassador is quite different than a cabinet secretary, but uh, there could be that kind of horse trading taking place, and who knows? Uh, some sort of promises may have been made in order to secure an endorsement. Uh, that's politics, after all. Yeah. And, Rob, then what happens after Super Tuesday? When one of the next primaries after that? Sure. Well, I mean, we, we keep going. <laughs> it's not going to stop for a while. So after Super Tuesday, you'll have more states voting. Uh, you know, we're kind of on the Tuesday schedule. So okay. We'll have uh, we'll have more states voting on on the tenth, and coming up on the tenth, you have uh, you have some states that uh, that may um, be more in in, in the category. Uh, and the seventeenth, you have you have uh, some additional states that, that that are really going to I think define it between uh, 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 the top two, who at this point most media accounts would would put Senator Bernie Sanders and Vice President Biden in in that category. So yes, it's uh, you know it's uh, a long long haul uh, until we get to that convention. And, and Bill, now the other thing to remember here is if, if you have no candidate uh, who gets the, that magic number, uh, you could have a contested or a brokered convention. And what that would mean is there would have to be even more of that horse trading you just mm-hmm. talked about uh, 
to 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 make it uh, to make it work. And we haven't had one of those in a long, long time. I mean, how long has it been, Rob? It's been like a long time, right? Well, there was uh, yeah. I don't know the precise year, but but it was uh, just four years ago. You'll recall that. Ted Cruz uh, w- mounted a rather unusual uh, effort where he picked his, his vice presidential nominee, Carly Fiorina, even before the convention, uh, in an effort to, to really prolong it and, and uh, deny Donald Trump the, uh, the nomination. Of course, they, they had a bitter rivalry, yeah. and I, I believe it was actually um, – uh, Trump, who who came out on stage uh, or came came out into the arena when when Cruz was speaking, and it was it was quite a scene. So uh, so there was some drama four years ago, but uh, but not nearly to the point where anything was really in doubt. And and it's the efforts to topple Trump at that point were were largely um, you know fizzled rather quickly. Yeah, Rob, of the fourteen states that are in Super Tuesday. Is there any one state that you are particularly interested in the outcome? Well, uh, certainly my home state of Virginia, because uh, I, I do think that Virginia has uh, has, has shifted in a, in a way. I mean, when I first moved to Virginia, uh, Virginia was a solidly Republican and red state. And today, of course, you have uh, the state assembly controlled by Democrats and you have uh, have a Democratic governor passing all sorts of, of legislation. In fact, uh, they've moving forward on gun control, and there's been some, some LGBT efforts that they, they have. So I think Virginia will be telling if it goes with somebody like Bernie Sanders, who was leading in some of the polls. Uh, obviously, the big prize is California, though, because California will award the most delegates. And, uh, and if a, a candidate performs really well in California, they could build that lead, and it could be, uh, could be hard for anyone to, to catch whoever captures that big prize. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts as to who might uh, take California? Well, you know, it, it's interesting because Bernie Sanders, according to the polls, is leading both California and Texas, okay. uh, which would be the two biggest. And the way that the Democratic uh, primaries work is slightly different than how Republican primaries worked four years ago. Uh, Republicans, in some cases, had a winner-take-all uh, state. So, oh. uh, you know, one, one candidate uh, could uh, maybe have a big deficit, but then could mount a big comeback by winning just a single state, especially if that state had a had a big was rich with delegates. Uh, Democrats award their delegates proportionally. So once a candidate starts to mount a lead in the delegate race, uh, that that lead can be hard to overcome. And that's, I think, what you're seeing right now with Bernie Sanders, who's performed well in the, the first three states. Uh, Biden obviously narrowed that with his big win in South Carolina. Uh, but after tonight, uh, yeah, we, we should know uh, just how much uh, that Biden was able to cut into that lead at Bloomberg. We haven't mentioned Mike Bloomberg. Of course, Bloomberg is for the first time uh, competing in Super Tuesday states. He did not compete in those first four states. So this will be our first indication of how Bloomberg performs. And, uh, and yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how it all plays out. I heard that Michael Bloomberg spent a half a billion dollars on this particular Super Tuesday and it was that eclipsed all of what uh, Barack Obama spent on his entire campaign. It's really remarkable. Yes, uh, it, it's um, the television ads, the unconventional strategy. Uh, uh, of course, we started this conversation by talking about tradition. Uh, Bloomberg, uh, of course, did the opposite. He decided that he was going to, to skip. Uh, well, he wasn't on stage for some of those early debates. Um, there were some who maybe wish that he wasn't on stage for the last <laughs> two debates. But, uh, yeah, he, he decided to really go big and focus on 
these Super Tuesday states, uh, heavily investing in advertising. Uh, you can't go anywhere without really seeing a, a Mike Bloomberg ad, either on television or YouTube or <laughs> whatever. True. Whatever social media platform you use, it seems that he's targeting everybody uh, regardless. Even my kids have said, who is this Mike Bloomberg guy? Uh, oh, wow. he, he, you know, they're hearing the advertising. So, uh, But I don't know if that all of that, that half a billion dollars is going to amount to any victories in any particular states. And so if that's the case, uh, you know, I think there will be pressure on him, particularly from some, some quarters, to get out of the race. Mm-hmm. Rob, what's the, the latest on the um, coronavirus and the well, impact it's having? Uh, well, you know, I'm sure it's uh, there's a lot of chatter in Minnesota, but I, you know, I can tell you Washington D.C. seems to be consumed by it uh, for a couple of reasons. Of course, Congress is considering legislation where they would appropriate more funding for coronavirus. Uh, there was the initial request from the Trump administration about two and a half billion dollars. Democrats countered with eight billion, and, and President Trump, uh, now apparently wanting to turn down the extra money, has said that uh, he'll take whatever they give him. So. It seems that we will have uh, some some additional funding this week. Of course, Vice President Pence is leading the task force for the administration, and uh, it seems the administration is in, in the mode of being as transparent as possible. Uh, but they've also put some restrictions in place on travel and, uh, and have issued some guidelines in terms of what, uh, what Americans can do to hopefully prevent themselves from, from getting sick. But uh, I think it's inevitable that we're going to continue to see more cases uh, pop up, uh, across the country. Right now, they seem to be mostly confined to the West Coast, but I, I expect that there will be more to come, Bill. Yeah, and do you feel that this has been politicized to a point where it's gotten very unhealthy? It, it certainly has. I mean, there's no, there's no question about it that uh, uh, even the local congressman here in Virginia sent a notice out to his constituents. Uh, I am one of them. And I, I felt that the, the note that he sent uh, w- was overly politicized in terms of casting blame on, on the Trump administration. Now, look, at, on something like this, there's really no need to politicize it. I mean, after all, this is the health and welfare of the American people we're talking about. Um, and for some people to suggest that uh, President Trump deserves blame for this, uh, for whatever reason, uh, you know, I just think it's unfounded and unwarranted. I mean, after all, uh, if anybody deserves blame, it's probably the Chinese for not uh, not doing a better job of containing it initially or being transparent with some of the information that they were releasing. Yeah, it doesn't seem like any politicians are pointing that out. Well, uh, and, and even President Trump, I think, has been cautious to do that because, you know, he, 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 we seem to be in a better spot with China uh, with regard to, to trade and some of the other issues that we've uh, entang- had entanglements with them. But, yeah, I, I mean, China says that the, the numbers are decreasing. I think there's always some suspicion about the data you get from China and whether or not they're truthful. But, uh, but yes, uh, you know, I think it's, it's quite wise for uh, the administration to put those travel restrictions in place and, and for people to certainly abide by them, um, because you know, it, after all, uh, you know, it's very. It seems that uh, it, you know the way that Americans interact today and all that we do. Uh, it's so easy to pass germs. But Bill, I'll tell you, you know, going to church on Sunday and, and being at the, the grocery store or a museum or the things that we do with our family, uh, you know, it hasn't seemed to really uh, dissuade Americans uh, from doing those those kind of routine things, at least at this point. So that's encouraging that they're continuing on with uh, their lives. Mm-hmm. Rob Louis, my guest, executive editor of The Daily Signal. Go to dailysignal.com. We'll take a short break and be right back with Rob. 
Arizona. Peaches come from Georgia and lobsters come from Maine. Rob Blue is my guest, executive editor of The Daily Signal. We're chatting about Super Tuesday and all the activities that are going on. And Rob, I know I've talked about this already once today, and you, you didn't know that because you're just coming on the show. But I, tell me and tell my listeners about what younger students and younger Americans are missing when it comes to socialism. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. Uh, so particularly in the context of, of last week's uh, Conservative Political Action Conference, the theme was actually socialism versus America. So it was quite, uh, quite uh, the, the, the focus of, of all of the CPAC speeches, including uh, Heritage Foundation President Kay Coles-James and, uh, and, and many others. Um, and so what I think they're missing is they, they don't truly understand what socialism really means. Uh, socialism presented by, by some of the, the political leaders today, uh, would ha- they'd have you think that it's Denmark or Sweden right. or, or one of the Scandinavian countries. Uh, those countries actually enjoy more economic freedom than you, the United States does. Uh, so it's hardly, uh, yes, they, they have large governments and big welfare programs and entitlement programs for, for their populations. They're obviously much, they're significantly smaller than the United States as well. Uh, but that is not what, what really uh, truly defines socialism. Socialism is what we see in, in a place like Venezuela or in Cuba. And I think it's why you saw such a visceral reaction to some of the recent comments that Senator Sanders made about socialism, particularly from Florida, because those individuals uh, who, who saw firsthand uh, what it was like living in Cuba uh, don't want to go back there. They appreciate and understand freedom. Anytime you empower the government and give the government more control over your life, whether it be through health care or, or welfare programs or taxes, you name it, uh, you better believe that we are going to lose uh, some aspect of freedom over what we can do. And that's just, uh, that, that's, you know, proven throughout all of these examples that we've seen, where every place, my, my colleague David Burton, who has studied this issue so well, has said that every place that has tried socialism has failed. I mean, so why would we want to bring it here to the United States? Yeah, it's, you know, I think when younger uh, Americans and students, they hear uh, free stuff, I think that is just so attractive. And why wouldn't it be? They, they haven't been around for all the, the, the catastrophes of socialism. That's true, uh, and it's one of the reasons why at the Daily Signal we want to tell some of those those personal stories. Um, so we've featured them, you know, throughout. Uh, you know, people who have come from China and come from Venezuela, come from Cuba, uh, people who've come from Eastern Europe and, and have memories of the, the the Soviet Union and what life was like there. The the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. We we should remind people what what it stood for. And so I think that that's, that's so critical. I also think that, you know, we, we live in a time when there's been less emphasis on civics education. And this is, this is another area where I think it's really important for parents uh, to exert some responsibility. Uh, talk to your, your teachers, or if you feel you, the, your schools are just uh, not capable of doing it, take it into your own hands. There, there's a great 
organization which we just profiled on the Daily Signal podcast called the Bill of Rights Institute, which provides curriculum for teachers. Um, I think it could be outstanding for, for homeschool parents or others who are looking for resources. Again, it's the Bill of Rights Institute, and, and they do so in a way where they've had a tremendous impact. They, they, they don't do it in a partisan way. They do it in a way that's uh, a, a factually accurate representation of American history. Mm-hmm. Rob, when is the Supreme Court going to hear? It's this week, isn't it? They're going to hear the oral arguments against the uh, case involving Louisiana's law requiring doctors who perform abortions to have admitting privileges at a hospital? That's that's correct. It is happening tomorrow. tomorrow. Uh, there's okay. going to be some big rallies on the steps of the Supreme Court, as there often are when you have these big cases. So, yes, we'll be watching it, uh, watching it really closely. In fact, Bill, I'm hoping to speak to uh, the Attorney General of Louisiana, um, uh, Jeff Landry, about the case after the oral argument. So maybe next week we'll have have a report. But this is clearly uh, one of the most, the biggest, if not the biggest case that the Supreme Court will hear this term. And with five justices uh, who who identify as conservatives, uh, uh, you know, you could see a, a potentially big outcome here uh, that I think uh, the pro life movement has has hopefully waited for for a long time. Mm-hmm. And Rob, what would be the favorable outcome of this that they would say if you are going to perform an abortion, you have to have admitting privileges to a hospital, which means some of these clinics would close down? What would be the outcome? Correct. So I mean, it's really about the. the safety of, of, of a, the woman's health here. Um, you, you have uh, a situation where uh, Louisiana, uh, which is a state obviously that, that leans uh, in the pro-life direction, you even have a, a Democrat, uh, very strong and articulate uh, advocate for the pro-life cause, and Katrina Jackson there, a state senator, um, who, who I expect will be in Washington. Um, so yes, the the case uh, require would re- the Louisiana law requires doctors who perform abortions to obtain admitting privileges uh, to a hospital. Uh, it seems like a common sense proposal, doesn't it, Bill? I it mean, does. why 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 wouldn't you want to have that in place in the event that something goes wrong? And we know from past experiences uh, that uh, that this is the case. Um, it's so it, it's not a direct challenge to Roe versus Wade in, in that regard, but obviously the stakes are pretty high because it would uh, put in, it w- would require uh, you know by precedent, and other states could follow suit passing their own laws. Yeah. What else is the Supreme Court uh, ruling on this week? Well, the Supreme Court uh, is is <laughs> very very busy. We're we're in that portion now where March, uh, April, May, June. You know, we'll we'll, have, we'll see a lot of uh, decisions coming out. So. Uh, you know, there's uh, there's a number of issues that uh, that I expect uh, you know will, um, will will come up. Another one that is uh, is at stake that my colleague Elizabeth Slattery, who who hosts a, an excellent podcast on the Supreme Court called SCOTUS 101, is a separation of powers uh, question, which involves the Consumer Protection Agency that was created during the Obama years. Um, so you know, we expect uh, that to be a big issue. Uh, there's uh, other cases on faithless electors in the Electoral College. Um, there's a case involving Little Sisters of the Poor. Of course, that's the organization of Catholic nuns seeking relief uh, from Obamacare's contraceptive mandate. So uh, a lot of cases that, uh, that we're following at the Supreme Court. And, uh, and you know, uh, Bill, it's one of those issues where oftentimes I think the court probably, and the, the John Roberts Court seems to want to give deference to, to, to the people and legislatures. I think it's often better when, when those decisions are left in the hands of, of elector, uh, people who legislators as opposed to unelected judges. But uh, sometimes we find ourselves in a situation where they do have to make these big decisions. Yeah. 
Well, we can all, as believers, be praying for this court case tomorrow with the Supreme Court in Louisiana, and another um, just prayer for pro-life. That's that's certainly true. I mean, I think it's I think it's important, as we've talked about on this program before. Uh, sometimes, you know, you have to make incremental steps. Uh, those of us who believe in the right to life and and advocate for that cause uh, would like to simply be able to go in and uh, and and do things, uh, you know. <laughs> Right from beginning, right, uh, right from con- uh, you know uh, conception, but you know uh, it's it's not always the case, and so uh, sometimes you have these challenges like the Louisiana law where they come before the court, and uh, and step by step you can be making progress, and that's certainly been the case. I mean, with uh, with so many advancements that we've had, and the fact that we have we're nearing 200 uh, confirmed judges under this president, uh, which can have wow. a significant impact for the next generation. Yeah. Rob, thanks so much uh, for doing the show. Have a great evening tonight with your family, and I look forward to our discussion next week. Thanks, Bill. Looking forward to it as well. You bet. Thanks. Rob Blue, he's been my guest, executive editor of The Daily Signal. I always recommend heading over to dailysignal.com to check it out. That wraps up our show for today. Thanks to all my guests. Just really, it was great being with you today and getting this chance to uh, talk about uh, the Lord and talk about some things going on in our world and politics, which I don't like to do very often, but it is Super Tuesday, so I thought it might be a good day to just uh, talk about it today. But have a great night, everyone. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.